0: Hello, this is Shannon McNamee, Assistant Editor of the Journal of Music, and this is the Journal of Music Weekly Podcast. This week's episode was recorded at the recent New Music Dublin Festival, where editor Toner Quinn chaired a panel discussion to mark 20 years of the Journal of Music. The event was titled The Next 20 Years of New Music in Ireland What Do We Need to Do? and featured contributions from flautist Lena Andonovska, composer and guitarist Benjamin Dwyer, composer and harper Una Monaghan, and music critic and lecturer, Adrian Smith. Here's the discussion.
1: Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. You're very welcome to this new Music Dublin event, but it is also a Journal of Music event, marking 20 years of the Journal of Music. My name is Toner Quinn. I'm the editor of the Journal of Music, and I founded the Journal of Music 20 years ago, 20 years ago I came back from Scotland where I studied publishing and I started making plans to start a new magazine and I thought it would be a relatively straightforward uh, process. I didn't have a plan beyond the second issue and yet here we are 20 years later Uh, and I think as soon as I started publishing it there was this relative outpouring of writing almost as if there were There was so much to say and so few places to say it. At the time it felt like that anyway. That simple little idea 20 years ago obviously had something to it. And the idea was that actually talking about music, writing about music, discussing music can make a really positive contribution to musical life because it creates this free flow of ideas around the music, creates an an extra energy around the music and that creates its own momentum. I feel like I should, you know, before we get stuck into this discussion, I feel like I should say just very briefly about something that I've learned over the past 20 years of publishing the Journal of Music, about why writing and thinking and talking and discussing music is important and makes a big difference. It's a subtle difference, but I see it, I see the effect of it over 20 years. One of the reasons is I think it lets musicians and composers know that they've been heard, that we're listening to them, That's really important. My own personal experience is that this is really important on a personal level. The second thing is that music writing can influence the public reception of music, which creates opportunities for musicians to a certain extent. But the third thing, and it's something I've learned over the two decades, is that creating a public record of what is happening in music is a really powerful statement in itself because the diversity in music, the activity in music, the extraordinary volume of activity in music, by reflecting that back to the public, it makes its own powerful statement. It creates a momentum, and it's certainly what drives us in the Journal of Music to keep writing about it. I relish going to work every day writing, and there's so much to write about in music at the moment. But I just want to say briefly, uh, we couldn't do what we do without the support of the Arts Council. They have been with us from the beginning, through thick and thin, and their patience is admirable. And of course, our writers and our readers and all of our supporters. I also want to acknowledge the people who've worked on the magazine over the years. Shannon McNamee is here. She's the current assistant editor. But before Shannon, there was Anna Murray. Benedict Schlepper Connolly is here, who is also a, an editor on the magazine at one stage, and also Simon O'Connor, the designer, and Simon Doyle, who really launched us into the digital age, the web developer. And of course, I just want to say finally, there is an unsung hero in the Journal of Music, and that is my wife, Liz Quinn. In one single year, 20 years ago, we had a baby, got married, and I started the magazine, and she has literally been with it the entire time, offering advice, support, and um, ideas all the time she has literally been with the magazine every step of the way so i want to say thanks to liz publicly and thank you to all our readers writers and supporters and now we'll get down to the discussion now the title of our discussion is the next 20 years of new music in ireland what do we need to do and for a discussion we're going to look back at what has happened over the past 20 years briefly and also what's what we would like to see happen in the next 20 years so a little bit of speculating my panel is I'm really delighted to have everybody here. We have Benjamin Dwyer, Ben Dwyer, who has literally just come off stage uh, after a fantastic concert, a composer and guitarist and a professor of music at Middlesex University. And this weekend has just launched the album on Diatribe Records, What is the Word? He was also an early contributor to the Journal of Music and still contributes from time to time um, and wrote really significant articles in the early years. And I want to mention some of those. Una Monaghan, to my right, is a composer, harper, and sound engineer, and on Thursday premiered her new composition, Eineracht, for traditional musicians and electronics. She's also the first recipient of the Limo Flynn Award, and The Lemo Flynn Award supported the composition of Einroch. It's a residency here at the NCH. Lina Andonowska is a flautist born in Macedonia from Australia, specializing in contemporary music performance, currently working with Ensemble Moderne in Frankfurt. This weekend, she is also launching her solo album, Alone, Away, Alast, on Diatribe Records. And finally, Adrian Smith, a lecturer in musicology at TU Dublin Conservatory of Music and Drama, and also a regular reviewer of classical and contemporary music for the Journal of Music. I want to start with Ben because, Ben, you were one of the writers that I contacted and we were in touch in the early days of the Journal of Music and you wrote these fantastic essays for me which really, really launched the magazine to a great extent. And they were, when I read them recently, a lot of them were about the reception for new music in Ireland. And this is 20 years ago, 2000, 2001, 2002. You wrote at one stage that you were seeing a new renaissance in contemporary music at that time and yet you were also seeing the airbrushing of Irish art music from contemporary discourse and then 10 years later, more than 10 years later in 2014 in your book, Different Voices, you could still observe that the, this I quote from you, the continuing absence of commentary and debate around contemporary music in Ireland is deafening. And yet, despite the fact that there isn't a very broad discourse around contemporary music, it is a lively scene. There is an awful lot happening. And I'm just wondering, does that surprise you? And what do you think is driving this scene at the moment?
2: Um, Hello, everybody. It's (laughs) 20 years ago, I have to get my head around that. Um, It seems to me that there's more happening now than ever. And I'm observing this from outside I'm largely live in the UK now but for 19 years I ran the Music 21 festival so I was very much inside the, um, the scene to try and promote music you know it was you know th- those um, early mostly modern concerts were very non-partisan it was more about community you know and just getting pieces done. Now um, what's your question again? Okay. The question is, what do you think is driving this
1: extremely lively, vibrant, contemporary music scene right now?
2: Because, the music, you know, some prominent musicologists are wrong. <laughs> the Irish have a musical voice, and it has not been subsumed into Seamus Heaney or other literary figures. This is a complete misnomer that's been tossed around for years. Um, it's clear that not only do we have a, a voice, but we're actually at the forefront of creative um, expression. Perhaps, oh no, I'm going to get very, very uh, into a lot of trouble here. Perhaps even more so than writers. And I guess it's it's an old it's you know it, it a lot of it's got to do with education. You know, I was not musically educated myself in primary or secondary school. I'm an autodidact in that sense. And so I've always noted, even among some of my colleagues in Aisdana, who are very, very intelligent, very bright, very creative, they don't have a clue about music. They don't have a clue about jazz. They don't have a clue about classical music. And so they certainly don't have a clue. Now, I'm not denigrating them. What I'm saying is there's a huge gap in education in Ireland as regards music. And um, there have been amazing developments, I think, particularly in um, traditional music. And the jazz scene, you know, has um, shown itself to be very vibrant. But look, what's happening now with, with contemporary music, uh, electronic music? I mean, you know, I can see. In, I'm in the I'm in the middle. I hope uh, of uh, between different generations now. And I can look back at people who influenced me. Some of them are here today, and I look forward to see younger composers. And I'm trying to learn from them as well. Um, I can't explain what it is, other than it exists. And it seems to be overbrimming the pot. So the pot being, I guess, is a metaphor for the institutions that are supposed to be, you know, we had a little chat on the phone last week, and we're saying, oh, you know, there are so many more composers now, so it's harder for institutions to keep up. Well, they have to keep up. If, if, if the creativity is there, they should be keeping their fingers on the pulse of that and running with it.
1: Can I ask, Una, what do you think is driving the scene at the moment? Where is the energy coming from?
3: I was just interested in the way you phrased the question, which I think was about, um, despite there not being a, a very broad discourse about new music, there still seems to be a scene. And, and my initial thought was, for me anyway, whether or not anyone's talking about what we're doing, we're still going to do it. And the way I approach creation is trying to get out what it is I want to make and how I do that and the tools I use and the influences that I draw on that affects it, but it's not going to start it or stop it, so yes, the discourse and everything else influences it and might inspire us at times, but I I don't think it's an either-or situation.
1: But doesn't a composer need a supportive environment that welcomes their music?
3: I guess two responses to that. One, I've, I've had, in a way, a supportive environment in the last uh, three to four months in writing the piece that I, I presented on Thursday night, but the supportive environment there was, was really a pot of money. In terms of a supportive environment apart from that, which, which if, we, if we go beyond the money, the place to present it, and then, as you say, the feedback, actually that's a lot harder. And the process of presenting that in terms of producers, engineers, venue, everything was really quite difficult. So, yeah, and again, what I'll say is that, yes, that's necessary. But, again, I could spend 20 minutes now telling you about the journey to making that piece and and all of those hurdles and how I overcame them. But I think that the short answer is you overcome it.
1: Okay. Adrian, you are involved in the music scene as a musicologist and as a writer. What do you think about the scene at the moment? What do you think is driving it? And what do you think about this idea that the broad discourse around new music might not be there, but it doesn't make a difference?
4: Um, I really concur with what, what Ben was saying. Uh, I think that the success of, this of the scene uh, is actually despite the, you know everything, that it has somehow managed to survive. And I've written a lot of critical articles about um, particularly RTE I think Orchie has a long, should really have a good, long uh, look in the mirror about how they, how they support or don't support, uh, say, or- orchestral music. I mean, we've only really one professional symphony orchestra, and I think it was last year they commissioned, was it, 60 minutes of, of music? And when you compare that to uh, contemporary peer orchestras around Europe, you know, uh, actually, i can give you the exact uh, figures. So in, this is in the... Um, 2017 2018 season that um, the Ortiz Symphony Orchestra programmed 60 minutes of new music, whereas, say, the Swedish uh, Symphony Orchestra is over 300 minutes, Uh, the Finnish Orchestra is around 200 minutes, the Denmark is also around 200 minutes, the UK is 240 minutes. And you know, this isn't something that this is like a regular occurrence that there just is no real awareness, I think, that the scene that we have here is so vibrant. I think Dublin ha- actually has one of the most the best new music scenes uh, in Europe, and it's not s- properly supported at all. Um,
1: Where is that energy coming from then?
4: Uh, the composers. Well, they just feel the need to compose. Like I'm going to jump in here, sorry. Pathological uh, condition. <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah, to, to Lena, jump in. Yes.
5: The energy is coming from all my friends you know from the people that are making the music and creating the music so sorry to interrupt but i just had to say that um i for the years that i lived in dublin i i, I had the, i have and and had the most amazing friends who continue to be my friends there my collaborators um they're the ones that are creating the scene uh and we're all a part of it being a part of it, you have to go actually go to the concerts, and there's so much that's happening here in Dublin. I can only speak for Dublin because it's where I spent most of my time, uh, and there's a lot of grassroots performances happening. But also, I guess the larger venues like the concert hall, um, you know, have have events happening all, all the time. But so many, so so many of the times that I've actually gone out to see something, I'm one of a handful of people in the audience, and I guess it's something that I've talk to my friends, who are the composers, who are the performers, it, when we've discussed, you know, what what does make a good community. It's a, the supportive community. Sure, it comes from the funding, but it, uh, for me, it actually comes from the desire to hear each other's work and to be present at events and at gatherings and at concerts, that, you know, happening. So, we're all responsible for it, you know? Um, and I'm sure there's statistics, but um, in order to make a thriving, uh, living kind of organism that is a, a, an artistic community, you have, to, you have to be present at that. So we all have a responsibility for it, in, in my opinion, anyway.
1: Ben, can I ask you, does that description of the community in Dublin, does that sound familiar to you? Is that what you had 20 years ago when you were running concerts?
2: It's hard to know. I don't think there was as much happening, actually. Um, I'm astounded at what's happening and it's something else has exploded, the genres, the the, the fluidity of genre, you know, has sort of, um, we're not so self-protecting of the boundaries within which we work now and so that's been really interesting for me to observe because I was quite protective of my own boundaries as well. But now I'm, I, I feel that I'm reaping the benefits of not worrying too much about that. But, you know, classical music or contemporary classical music always took place in a hall, you know, or, you know, down in the Bank of Ireland Arts Centre or whatever. And now it's in the Workman's Club and it's in Bello or some other place. All that's very healthy now. It's become a more relaxed affair. And,. There, I mean, I'm thinking of Izumi Kimmer, for example, I don't know if she's here, but you know she was a, she, for many years she was a brilliant contemporary music player and now she's playing jazz and she's working with Barry Guy and, so, and a lot of us are taking that journey and so the whole thing has opened up so maybe, it's not, maybe the difference is also a difference of the explosion of genres or the, the merging of genres or the disintegration of the notion of genres. So maybe that's what, what's accounting for this mm. vibrancy as well. It's hard to put your finger on it yeah.
1: though. On that topic, Una, can I ask you, because you've you come from the traditional music scene, the traditional harping scene in Belfast, and you're a composer, you work in the contemporary music scene as well. But the relationship between traditional and classical contemporary music in Ireland it always wasn't always like this. Um, over the past decade, we've seen traditional music really open up, reach into the avant-garde, We've seen, as Ben mentioned, contemporary composers work more with musicians outside contemporary classical music. So has the relationship between traditional and classical music in this country, has it been transformed at this stage?
3: I don't know that the mixture between traditional and classical is is recent or traditional and contemporary or experimental. I mean, John Cage had rotorio in 79 and Oveeta was writing in the 50s. Um, so it doesn't seem new to me. Um, I'm working in traditional music and, and with the, the tools and the the influences that I have, so it's, it makes sense to me. In terms of the relationship between traditional and, and classical music, I do notice that there are a lot more people who can do both, for example, uh, than there would have been whenever I was younger. The older people who play traditional music might not have been a classical musician as well. Um, I know a lot of people now, my age, but also a, a bit older, who will be a brilliant cellist and also a brilliant Dylan Piper, and I think to have both of those traditions within the one person is 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 brilliant, and and I used that in in one of my pieces on Thursday as well.
1: But has it been transformed this re- this relationship?
3: Not not so much yet. I'm just thinking of some of the the feedback that I got today about the concert on Thursday. And the things that were being said, because a lot of the delegates at this uh, festival are, are from a contemporary, maybe classical music background, the the feedback that they were giving me, I felt, was very much from that, from that world. And so some of it I agreed with, but some of it I thought, ah, I'm hearing that from you in the context that you're coming from, whereas a traditional musician making the same comments wouldn't maybe be making them in the same spirit. So for example, there were questions as to why people were located in different spaces around the room. And I was thinking, well, in a pub session, you know, that's where you would be. And that's the audience might be between in and out of you. And then why did the audience have to move? And I'm thinking, well, in a bar, you move about, you go to the bar, you, you know. There was this, this, uh, this, these questions as to why have you done that? And I'm saying, well, it seems weird if, if you view it from the perspective of a, a theatre-style audience with a stage. Um, but it isn't such a radical thing for me to have done if you come in from the perspective of traditional music. So I don't think we're melded in enough yet, but yeah, we're getting there.
1: What do you think, Lena? Do you hear the, that relationship at work in Ireland, the, you know, the traditional and the classical and the contemporary, do you hear those strands working?
5: I'd, I'd have to say that, you know, some of my favourite musicians that I met um, prior to moving to Ireland, actually, uh, I met Quibine, um, you know, about seven years before I moved to Ireland and he handed me one of his CDs. And so when I came to Ireland, I, was, I always had this notion of, oh, that's what Irish music sounds like. Um, but I guess what Queeveen does is very unique. Um, kind of what Ben was talking about, I I, th- I think genres shouldn't exist. We're all sound makers. We're all, you know, improvisers, interpreters, um, creators. So for me, even the notion of going well, traditional music and contemporary music, like already we're kind of thinking in a very old-fashioned way. Uh, um, we need to not use those words. You know, we, we are... Essentially, kind of doing the same thing you and I. You, you just, you know, s- say it in a different accent. Um, so that's m- that's my, my view on it.
1: What do you think, Ben? What do you think of you? You, were, you mentioned that you know your perspective on genres has changed as well. Do you agree that we don't we shouldn't even be using these words?
2: Well, you know, Nick Roth writes notated music. He plays jazz. He does some free improv. It's not that the genres have disappeared it's just I think they're they're less jealously guarded you know I think that's what it's just healthier that's it Mm. the same thing with the venues and I also think not among everybody but there's a lot more intellectual engagement with you know there was this thing that we used to hear you know year you know years ago those who can't play teach and those who can't teach become critics you heard that one you know? Steady on there. <laughs> no, but it's all rubbish, you know what I mean? Because, um, uh, you know, teaching feeds into playing, playing feeds into teaching, composition feeds into performance. The whole thing is symbiotic. Again, maybe the problem is the educational system compartmentalises uh, the different skills. But, you know, I'm in my early 50s now, um, but I've had, to do, I've had to harness all these skills. I couldn't have made it just as a classical guitarist, and frankly, I wouldn't have wanted to. But, and then, you know, you become a composer, you work on composition, and you realise that your playing feeds into that, but then you're playing a concert, you realise that your compositional mind feeds into your interpretive mind, and then you're thinking more philosophically about music. The whole thing should all be one luscious environment.
1: But we still haven't got down... Um and answer the question as to why this has happened. Because only eight years ago, the country was going through a huge economic crash, and yet the new music scene survived and thrived through that. It didn't die away. It has literally persisted. We haven't got down to the fact of why this transformation has happened over the past two decades. Why is there less guardianship around genres? Why has it opened up? Why do composers feel more relaxed about it? Adrian, what do you think?
4: I think one of the things about Ireland is that we didn't have a classical tradition like, say, you know, the Russians or the, the Germans. And that can actually be a source of strength because, you know, there's a greater sense of freedom and no, not really expectations. So I think that is maybe possibly um, an interesting angle on it, but I, I, I really don't know. I just think there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of talented people in this country. Is, yep. that,
1: is that what it is? Is it the fact that they did not emigrate? The fact that they stayed that created a certain energy? I don't know. <laughs>
4: it's a big question, Tony, Very It fairness. is a big like question.
1: What do you think, but Una?
3: I don't think we're any more special or not than anywhere else. And with regard to the crash, I mean, if, if there's not the money, you start to run house concerts. Like I, I just don't think there is a big answer. I think here is, uh, what's happening here is also happening in many other places. and and also happens in places where there is funding, there isn't funding, it it, it affects the music in different ways, but it's not gonna be an either or as to whether it happens.
1: Lena, can I ask you, the music that's coming out of Ireland at the moment, you're involved in the performance of it. You also mentioned that you go to a lot of concerts here, you're involved in in the contemporary music scene in Dublin. Is there a through line through this music? What are you hearing in the music that's coming out of Ireland at the moment?
5: I guess I can talk about the music that was written um, for me specifically for this record. Um, one thing that I guess is really important to me is the element of collaboration. And so, for me, each of the pieces on the record are very diverse um, and I guess they were written for, with me in mind specifically. And I think you mentioned it when we were chatting. Like diversity is, um, you know, really apparent for me in in the Irish kind of contemporary music scene, uh, or in the Irish music scene. I think there isn't. There's more of like a collective voice rather than okay. There, there's this one kind of style that's come that's emerging because. I do go to a lot of events. I do go to a lot of concerts. It, the thing that gets me up out of bed every morning is knowing that I'm, you know, tonight I'm going to go see my mates play that gig and then tomorrow night oh, another friend is putting on another. Na- that all keeps me going as a as a performer and I think that also keeps my my collaborators going as well. That c- keeps them inspired and I don't just stick to one kind of style of music, I I go to everything, I like to experience everything because I I think I like to play everything, you know. Um, And I guess in in the kind of music that I'm hearing, um, it is quite diverse. But I also listen to everything, you know, I listen to all the stuff that's on Diatribes, you know, that catalogue. My mates at are Godos, they're they you know putting on like amazingly diverse um, uh, recordings and concerts. And actually, that space that that's one big tragedy. A couple of years ago, when they closed that space down, um, this is the recording in, in, space in Portobello. Yeah, it wasn't just a recording space. That was like a hub. Um, and so, so often, like on a Monday night, on a Wednesday night, Thursday night, especially towards the end of the, the time that that space existed people would go on and perform for each other there and almost workshop things. And I think, you know, what is apparent to me also just kind of relocating to Germany, where there's very uh, kind of um, specific kind of sound and world that I'm involved in there, is just how diverse, sonically, uh, I guess, the, the, the sounds that are coming out of Ireland are. So that's something that's very special, I think, and very unique.
1: Adrian, you go to a lot of concerts. What are you hearing? In the music that's coming out of Ireland at the moment,
4: I'm hearing a lot of really, really. I, th- I think what you said is the diversity of the scene is just is just really, really incredible, and I think what I'm kind of a bit annoyed about is that, you know, we have composers like you know like Ben, like Gerald Barry, and you know nobody really thinks that you have to know these composers if you're if you're like a cultured person. You know, this is, you know, you have to keep up with the latest literature or films. Nobody really knows really anything about what you were saying about um, our fields that they need to know what's going on in contemporary music in Ireland. I think people are missing out, but I think that we have to try and find a better way of promoting it. You know, I think when you have a composer like, say, Gerald Barry, who all his premieres take place in London, like they don't take place in Ireland. There's something not right about that.
1: Why do you think that is? Why do you think that there isn't that appreciation of contemporary Irish
4: composers? I think a lot of it has to do with, I think there's a, a lack of imagination um, when it comes to the promotion of new music. And I think I think we could do so much better um, with the way the, the music is promoted. I mean if, you're, if you're a writer or if you're, you're um, a playwright, they seem to be able to, to, to be promoted by you know all the major newspapers, by RTE. That same kind of thing doesn't happen, you know? Like, uh, again, you know, someone like Anne Clear there won a huge international music award. Is it even covered in anywhere except uh, the Journal of Music? I, I, I don't know. It's, I think we could do so much better with regard to the, the, the uh, promotion. You've written a number of major articles for the Journal
1: of Music on New orchestral music being commissioned today in Ireland, and and, uh, you mentioned that earlier on. But um, the lack of it, that's what you were writing about. But you also have a line which often goes around in my head, and you said, the problem is not that significant things don't happen. And you're talking about the new music scene in Ireland. Things do happen, you write. It's just that there's no vision or desire to carry
4: these initiatives to their full potential.
1: What do you mean by that?
4: Uh, well, the specific context for that quotation was, I went to one of these Music in Our Time Tuesday lunchtime concerts, and I said, you know, there's actually very few people here, I wonder how many people there are. So I counted up the amount of people, and there was 70. And so it was one of those unfortunate occasions where the audience was, <laughs> was less than the people in the uh, ensemble. So the orchestra, there was more people in the orchestra playing than there was actually listening to it. And that, that particular concert is one that takes place on a Tuesday lunchtime. You know, wasn't promoted, barely a program note, wasn't in the booklet for the year, you know, the, the, the brochure. Only advertised maybe two weeks before the concert. And I just thought, this, you know, this is really poor. You know, this is actually, this is actually wrong. Um, there, there has been, i can give you another example. Um, this composer lab... Uh, uh, initiative which um, you know so composers uh, they submit their scores and there's a mentoring scheme and they workshop with the orchestra my idea would be that if a scheme like that is in place that the end results should be okay well this work is going to be performed in the main season with top professional international conductor the end result of that particular project was a nine o'clock invite only gig in some warehouse in uh, Orti, and it was broadcast, it was broadcast live at nine o'clock, but it didn't even get a public performance, so I think that's really quite poor.
1: Okay, we've got a sense of the scene, I think, at the moment, the developments that we don't understand that have happened over the past two decades, but I've tried to get some big answers for them, but I'm going to keep trying. But I want to ask you about the next 20 years, New Music Dublin, 2040, when we're all here. What do you want to be able to say about the next 20 years? What do you want to see in the next 20 years? Maybe I'll start with Una.
3: I haven't quite worked out how to phrase this, but in a way, I would like us to be able to go through the music world without so many of the worries. And and I, I guess I'm speaking as a composer and a performer, but it, it might be that musicians and artists, and similar to what you were saying about genre and about the fact that we, we maybe get to a point where we're, we're thinking of everything in a broader way from the standpoint of just a human and that music is not necessarily, we're not trying to judge it, we're not trying to judge people we meet, on structures that we have learned, that it's more, you, you sort of, we all start from a zero and try to work out what we just heard, why we liked it, tell them why we liked it, find out what they were doing, and have more of a conversation rather than a uh, an attempt to define things. I, I, I would like that.
1: Lena, what would you like to see in Ireland 2040 as regards music?
5: I'd like to see like all of the events packed out because we have just gone and told all our mates and our neighbours and, you know the neighbours down the road and the people in the pub, we've told them that, uh, we've shared our excitement about what it is that we do and and, and what, what we're involved in. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see like bums on seats, people at events and I'd like to see the artists paid properly for their contribution because it's not about the 90 minutes that is spent on stage, it's like, you know, like an infinite amount of time that it takes to get to that point. Um, so that's actually, you know, uh, quite important because ultimately as creative people we'd like to just be creative people and not have to do the the hours at the pub or the hours at the computer or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I guess it's utopian but, I, I th- you know, I think it's possible if we just keep keep the energy going and we keep... Uh, you know, putting in the the the, the love and um, nurturing what what it is that we do, and sharing our excitement with everyone in the community, and getting everyone involved in what it is that we're creating. So.
3: And I think that relates also brilliant what to what I was saying as well, because I I rang for car insurance last month, and you know even that you're on the phone to someone and you're they say what do you do. And how you phrase the answer to that question, there is an immediate judgment about how much your car insurance is going to cost you. And I think that's related also to what you're saying, is is if those structures, if we weren't up against those structures every single time, this job would be easier, and I think there would be more bombs
5: on seats, and it would be a more positive place. It sounds like they need to come to some of your gigs, so next <laughs> time you're on the phone, invite them, you know?
1: <laughs> ben, what would you like to see in the next 20 years, and how... Can it be achieved? Is it just a oh, and energy?
2: Well, I, what I would like to see is institutions take ownership of music in Ireland. You know, I'm nearly 35 years around as a musician, and I've never really felt that I was ever curated, apart from this week, by, by Nick and Matthew. That's a long time for someone to actually say, I think we'll take his music because of this and this and this. Not because it's box ticking or it's time we had a female composer, which is extremely important, but you know had had female composers not banded together and said this needs to be done, it probably wouldn't have been done. So there's, it, there's a sense that it has always been, oh God, we better do something. You know? And it's always been or has felt like it, if it hasn't been, it's felt like it's been Box ticking, and well, we better we better put something on in between the, you know, Beethoven Five and Rodrigo's Aranqueth or something. But how can we change that over the next well twenty I years? I, I, you know, I'm I'm I've been on the uh, the receiving end of this for years. I don't really know what the answer is because it it boils down to maybe what I was saying earlier. The 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 problems that you were highlighting just a moment ago, they were the same problems 20, 30 years out. ago. But it's gotten worse because I think when Raymond Dean and John Buckley were my age, they had many, many symphony uh, commissions to their name. I have two. And they ha- haven't been approached in 15 years. Now, I don't want to moan about myself. I think everybody has a problem, you know. But that's just an example. Because nobody is... No institution in, no institution's taking ownership and pride, other than what, you know, it was 17 years before the National Concert Hall had an idea to have a contemporary music concert, 17 years, you know, and even then it was, oh, well, we have the composer's choice, at least that's sorted. You know, I'm sorry to say that, but that's, that's, that's been my experience, and so to answer your question, it would be to take ownership with pride of the, I would say, explosion of creativity that's, that's happening.
4: Can I, can I actually ask you a question, uh, Ben? I don't understand how Irish composers are so ineffective at advocating on their own behalf. Because you have know, two, what are essentially union organizations, the AIC and the ICC. And look, say when I wrote some of those uh, ranty articles about the orchestra, I was expecting, you know, maybe there, there might be a letter into the Irish Times, or. You know there might be something, but nothing I mean it doesn't take that much effort to you know sign a petition, you know write a letter you know get all the composers to to sign you
2: can I ran a festival for twenty years hmm. <laughs> you know I, I, you know I, I I put my money where my mouth was for twenty years there, there comes a time when you have to put your energy into your creative work and you can't you can't always be a creative artist and a salesman at the same time. And there's, there's a certain level of embarrassment walking around with your fine necks to sell. You know, there comes a time when you would like to be curated at some stage. But collectively,
4: you know? um, Irish composers have not advocated for themselves effectively. And you just compare, with would say, the, the theatre world. You know, so there's a dispute in the Abbey over pay there last January. You know, it was on the radio for weeks, um, the waking the, the feminists you know, they're able to advocate effectively for themselves, whereas Irish composers are not, for some strange reason.
5: Sorry, what about the Contemporary Music Centre? That should also be a source of uh, advocacy for, for Irish composers, for uh, contemporary performers of music, so...
4: Yes, I think so, but they, uh, like, they can't be so militant, you know, because they have to preserve certain relationships between various institutions. We all have people.
5: to preserve relationships. It's part of the game uh, that we're playing. You know, like.
4: I get that, but that's why you have like, unions that are able to advocate for everybody, effectively. I can understand why some co- composer doesn't want to you know, start criticising a particular administrator or a particular institution because you're going to be blacklisted then. You're not going to get a commission. You know, you'd be mad to do that. But collectively, why uh, is there no real kind of union... Mentality or well,
2: well, sounding way. the feminists have been very successful. They've been very good, um, and they've they've you know garnished results.
4: So why doesn't the broader bunch of uh,
2: well, we works? have been through the magazine for many years. I mean, I have to say I'm nearly on the other side of this where I'm so exhausted doing it. I'm nearly at the stage where I don't care. <laughs> And that's, and I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't want to sound yeah. a negative note, but I'm exhausted with this, you know? Yeah. Well, it, you know, I'm nearly at the stage where, you know, if you've got no reputation, you yeah. can live quite freely.
1: I think we're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for coming along today and contributing to this discussion to mark 20 years of the Journal of Music, and I really want to thank my panel of Adrian Smith, Benjamin Dwyer, Lena Andanowska and Una Monaghan, will you please thank them with me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Journal of Music podcast. This episode was recorded at the National Concert Hall as part of the New Music Dublin Festival. Thank you to Benedict Schlepper-Connolly for the recording and to New Music Dublin and the National Concert Hall for hosting this event. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or you can follow us on SoundCloud. For more on the Journal of Music, visit journalofmusic.com.